You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I know some of you have travelled to America on maybe a family holiday or maybe your honeymoon. And what I remember many years ago on a family holiday, we went to Florida. And in Florida, in America, as anything is, everything's massive. And I remember very distinctly going to a, a shopping mall. And there, there's lots of shops, no interest, but the food court, poor, massive. You've never seen so many options of, of Chinese takeaway or Indian in your life. There was loads all around the room. But as we made our way around, that was lunchtime. Most of the stands have uh, either leaning over the counter, a cocktail stick with a, a bit of chicken on the end of it, or a platter. And they say, taste this. And they say, oh, that's, that's, oh, that's really good today orange chicken. I wonder what the the next guy's orange chicken is like. And you you work your way all the way around, just sampling lots of different foods. That was a free lunch. You didn't need lunch because you just sampled just a little bit, a little bit, and it was able to, to satisfy you. And as we look at Psalm 34 today, I don't want you to sample on the Lord. I want you to feast on Him. Not just sample, but the feast. Don't be People that just turn up to church on a Sunday, just getting a, a little nibble, and that will satisfy you to next week. Or don't be people who just turn up uh, 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 at special services. Well, that's enough of God for now. I'll just take a little sample of that and forget about them the rest of the time. No. We need to be feasting on our Lord Jesus. In particular, this weekend, we celebrate the harvest where we recognize God's goodness to us and provision of food. And we have known God's goodness constantly in our lives, his goodness and provision, which we assume to get rather than appreciate really, don't we? His goodness and physical provision, the food that we eat, is just a sample. It's just a taste of God's provision for us in Jesus. So as we look at this psalm, we know God's goodness to us, but we must feast on Jesus. Today might be a really special time in the church calendar for us all, especially for those in the, who farm, where we stop and give thanks for the foods. But let's not just take a little sample of God today or any Sunday. Let us feast on Jesus. And as we go through this psalm together, the first thing we see in the first three verses is very simple, praise the Lord. We want to feast on Jesus. We must praise the Lord. And many of the Psalms begin with praise, don't they? And praising God is a very important part of the Christian walk and the Christian life. And here David is writing, and he wants us to praise the Lord. And he writes Psalm 34, and you'll see that in the subtitle, for a special moment. No, and in this really difficult situation for David... It was a life-threatening one, and we'll think about it in a moment. It's time. But the pressures in David's life were very real. The pressures in our life are very real, aren't they? And David, despite maybe being in the point of despair, despite it all, says, praise the Lord. The Lord had delivered him out of his desperate situation. And here this psalm is written for praise for the Lord's salvation, despite our circumstances. So we have to praise the Lord, and the first thing we notice is that we praise the Lord constantly. 
That's what David wants us to do, to praise the Lord constantly, not just a little sample Christmas, Easter, harvest, but always and all the time. At every time, we are to give God praise. Paul in Philippians writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm sure you, like me, have come across people you know, and actually, maybe it's you, who just constantly complains. Maybe it's somebody you know well, but somebody who just constantly moans and complains. Maybe you're that person who they complain to from someone or something in church that annoys them to muttering or slobbering and complaining away about somebody else, to someone in your work or about your spouse or about the team you support or your teammate. We all know people who moan and complain. And to focus on the bad is not good. It's actually a sinful impulse, isn't it? And here, David is saying, we need to flip the moaning around and to praise the Lord. The church should not be a place of moaning, but encouragement, not a place of, of critique. We are to be people praising God constantly because we are always reminding ourselves of salvation. And how on earth can we be constantly praising God Why and not complaining? Well, it is because we can praise God very specifically. And that's what David is doing. David is praising God in this moment very, very specifically. So in 1 Samuel chapter 21 is this story that David writes the psalm in the back of. And hopefully the verses are going to come up on the screen. Uh, David spends a brief time in the city of Gath, the Philistine city. I remember David had killed Goliath already at this point. And he finds himself in a dangerous position because the king's officials of, the, 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 of Gath, they're worried now about David's military might. Has David come there to kind of kill the Philistines some more? And David is also on the run from Saul's men. They're looking to assassinate him. They had, David had every reason to be feared for his life. But David is really cunning. So in the title of the psalm, he pretended to be insane. And this is what 1 Samuel 21 says. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks in the doors and the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. David just pretended to be insane. But David recognized, even though he was trying to get out of a very sticky situation, it wasn't his clever mind that got him out of it. It wasn't him pretending to be cunning or sly that got him out of it. But it was the Lord. David is praising the Lord because the Lord got David out of the situation. David is praising God for this salvation. That's why he writes this psalm. It's in response to God's salvation. And we can always praise God constantly, specifically because of our salvation in Jesus. That is why David says in verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Will you join me and sing these praises to our God today because of our salvation that we have in Jesus? Yes, because of the harvest. Yes, because of that great provision. But most importantly, will you not praise God because of Jesus? David is rescued by God and he invites others to praise God for the rescue he has had and that we have. Rejoice with each other that you are saved by Jesus. Trust him and we will praise God with you because you too will know this salvation. To be people who are praising God, to be people who must feast on Jesus, we are to be praising 
Jesus for what he has done for us, but we also must be people who praise the Lord and fear the Lord. The feast on Jesus means we praise him and fear him. And we see that in verses 4 to 7 and 11 to 14. And what is the fear of the Lord? Well, in Scripture, we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the focus here is on a sense of awe and respect for the majesty of God. It's an understanding of who God is, his character, and we just are to be in awe of it, of his majesty and wonder. It's not a fear caused by like a threat or pain or harm. It's not like believers around the world who might fear for their lives. That's not the kind of fear we're to have. But the fear of the Lord is a, a, is a revering of God. It's a reverence to God. Michael Reeves is a, is a scholar, and he writes this about the fear of the Lord. Those who fear the Lord know his mercy, love, and compassion. They can know they are accepted, protected, and delighted in. The fear of the Lord, then, is a heart-level indicator of the warm communion with God that God wants with his children. They will want to know God better and enjoy sweeter and more constant communion with him. Do you fear the Lord? Do you understand God's mercy and love and compassion? Because it's understanding who God is that allows us to feast on Jesus. And here's what uh, Mike Reese says, that it's a heart-level indicator for us. If we do not fear the Lord, if we do not understand his mercy, love, and compassion to us, we are not feasting on Jesus. We need to fear the Lord. We all want to know the Lord better, to be feasting on him, so that we would enjoy that relationship with him, that constant communion. We need to fear the Lord. Because whenever we fear the Lord, it leaves radiant faces in verse 5. Fearing the Lord leaves radiant faces. So this word is used in Isaiah chapter 60, when a mother's face lights up whenever she sees her children approach her, who she thought were gone and lost. Her face lights up. It's also used of Moses when he comes down from the mountain with meeting with the Lord, that his face was radiant, it was shining. And the people, he had to veil his face from the people. And whenever we fear the Lord, our faces will light up. They'll be radiant. You know, have you ever met a Christian like that? They are not radiant because they've just been in a holiday or in good health. But actually, they just know the Lord. They just love the Lord. They fear the Lord. And they're, it's almost as if their face changes. And the psalmist is describing his personal experience of being delivered. And what he's trying to tell us is that because I've been delivered, if we know this and love the Lord and we fear the Lord, this joy will just radiate in our faces. We, can, uh, uh, we are not going to be covered by shame, but we're going to be filled with joy. The feast in the Lord is to fear him. And whenever we fear the Lord, the consequence of that for us there's not only radiant faces, radiance of joy and of love. But look at verses 12 to 14. Fearing the Lord also means doing good. So the example there is with our lips, isn't it? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking eyes. Turn from evil and do good. Whenever we fear the Lord, we understand this holiness. 
We understand his mercy and compassion, but that doesn't drive us away from him to do the wrong thing, but it drives us towards Jesus and to do the right thing. The teaching that we enjoy in this word, it goes alongside the good that we are to do. We are to be faithful followers of Jesus, people who abide in Jesus and produce fruit. We need to be people feasting on Jesus. So that is reflected in other parts of our lives. David says to be people who are feasting on the Lord, knowing God's goodness to us. We must feast on Christ, so let us taste the Lord. Taste the Lord, not the the broccoli or the chickpea, whatever it was. Let us taste God's goodness. We need to taste God's goodness. Give thanks for your lunch today. But how do we taste the Lord's goodness? We've covered a little bit of it already, haven't we? But this verse, verse 8, where we taste and see that the Lord is good, is used by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter says, Like newborn infants long for pure spirits and milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And that verse has come alive for me in the last six months. Newborn baby looking for milk, the desire the squealing, just the, the want and the need for now. That should be us as Christians crying out for it, crying out the taste that the Lord is good, a longing after God, like the Psalm 42, as the deer longs, pants for the water. That is to be us with Jesus, a yearning the taste that the Lord is good. We need to, a desire to follow Jesus and to, to taste him. So I wonder today, do you feel sick almost in your Christian walk? You don't seem to be going anywhere. You almost are, are like the parable of the sower and you feel like you're walking along with Jesus. But now, you, if you reflect, it's almost as if you're, you're falling away. You don't seem to be going anywhere in your walk. Are you eating? Are you tasting the Lord? You won't grow if you do not eat. I'm not talking about my waist, I'm talking about spirits now. You need to eat to grow, and the Word of God is necessary for that growth. And we should all desire this pure spiritual milk, God's Word. We really need that all and its nourishment. No matter how many years we've been walking with the Lord, you will need to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you feel like you've stopped, you've taken a breath, you're not growing. doesn't matter how much you think you already know about God's Word. We, like David, need to be reminding ourselves over and over and over and over and over again of the salvation that we have in Jesus. We need to grow in Jesus. We need to feast on Him. And how do we do that? When you didn't know the boys and girls, and hope you remember now, it's in God's Word, isn't it? It's in our prayer time to grow in Jesus, hearing of Jesus, to be abiding in the vine that is Jesus, and taste that the Lord is good. Someone said this, change your diet, and it will change your appetite. Feast upon Christ, and fast from sinful indulgence. Your hunger for Christ will increase and your desire to sin will fade. 
if any of you have been on a crash course diet, you will change your diet and you will change your appetite in time. And maybe the sweet things that you love so long ago, after a period of time, they're like too sweet for you almost. And here, what's being said is that we are to feast upon Jesus, to go after him and in his word, to leave behind our sin so that it would taste even more bitter whenever we fall into temptation, that it would fade into insignificance and our desire for Jesus, our wanting to taste him would grow and grow and grow. Taste and see that God is good. He is sweet. He is kind. Throughout Scripture, the Israelites were told to eat certain foods to remind them of what had happened. So, in Exodus 12, before they went off through the, or the Passover meal, before they left Egypt, one of the things they ate was bitter herbs. And that was to remind them of the bitterness of slavery. Then they got into the wilderness, and what did they have? They had manna, which was sweet and lovely. And in Scripture, the beauty of Christ is revealed in his character, his love for his people, his sacrifice and resurrection. And we need to be feasting on him. I don't know if it happened here this morning, but you know if someone says they had something to eat, or I know you can almost taste it in your own mouth. Has that ever happened to you? It's just me. And the saliva almost starts going in your own mouth. And sometimes people could say, I can almost taste that in my mouth. Here David is saying, that cannot be done in a spiritual sense. You cannot be, as a word, trying to taste what God is doing in your parents' life or your spouse's life. It has to be your own personal Christian experience. You need to be, you yourself need to be tasting that God is good. In a spiritual sense, do you feel stagnated? Maybe he had been on the upward trajectory, but now it seems to be flattening the curve, if I dare use a phrase like that. Has it leveled off, or are you growing in Christ? Let us savor him. In fact, let us devour Jesus, because only our unbelief prevents us from enjoying God's goodness to us. Taste and see that the Lord is good in his word. There's also another side of this. We taste and see now that God is good, but we've already tasted some of God's goodness, haven't we? We've just got a nibble of it in all around us, the many blessings poured out in our lives from friends and families to food, our home, our education, on and on and on it goes. They're all just little glimpses of God's grace to us, little samples of God's goodness. One of the things we're sick about hearing is the symptoms of COVID, isn't it? One of them is a loss of taste. Don't spiritually lack taste. Feast on Jesus. Don't fail to taste the Lord because when we taste and see that the Lord is good, we will lack no good thing. We will lack no good thing in verse 10. This is not an empty promise, but we know that God will take care of us. What care, what love. God will take care for those who take refuge in him. In verse, I think it's verse 10 about the lions, is it? Verse 10, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. David's just given a picture, just a little snapshot. Here's the, I don't say the king of the jungle, here's the king of the food chain. The lion is a predator on those below it, and the lion will go without food before God's goodness runs out in us. 
The lion will be endangered and extinct. It will get hungry before God's people will be lacking in any good thing. God is good. And as people receive every good thing from him, Romans 8, 28, God works everything together for good. Our eternal good. There'll be people who are to know God's goodness. People who are to be feasting on Jesus. We are to, to praise the Lord. We are to fear the Lord. We are to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then finally, we are to cry to the Lord. Because in verses 15 and 17, just God listens to us. God listens to us. God's ears are open to us. <coughs> he takes our prayers so seriously. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. The eyes of the Lord look down on us. His ears are attentive to their cry. He listens to us and he also delivers us from all our troubles because if you look at we need to cry out to the Lord because in verse 18, have many of us been the brokenhearted and the crushed? God occurs especially for the righteous, his people. God is there for us. David writes this psalm testifying to that end. That in his distress, he cried out to the Lord. He probably didn't know what to do. That's why he acted like a madman. The Lord heard him and delivered him out of his trouble. This God's not like distant and removed gods. God is there for us in our trouble. Close to those who have been brokenhearted, lowly, in recent days, crushed in spirit, weighed down. The Lord is close. The Lord hears the brokenhearted. God promises to be with believers all of the time. If you just cast your eye in verse 7, this is what the Lord says about his people. This is the Lord's goodness to us. When he, we cry out to him and he delivers us from all our troubles, he encamps those who fear him. He encamps us. He surrounds us. When we need him most, crushed in spirit, God is still there. No wonder we should praise the Lord. No wonder David is praising God when he looks to him. But in the last couple of verses, although we need to see and taste that the Lord is good, who is the one who listens? Who is the one who delivers? Who is the one who is close to the broken? Yes, it is the Lord, but we see it ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, don't we? Verses 19 to 22, a righteous man may have many troubles. Well, this righteous man, the psalmist is talking about, David is talking about Jesus. How do we know? Look at verse 20. He protects all his bones. In John 19, never Jesus is dying on the cross. John uses this verse. Verses 33 to 36, but when they came to Jesus... They found he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. And he goes on to say, verse 36, These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones would be broken. Taste and see that the Lord is good in Jesus. Not one of his bones are broken. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. That's how David finishes. 
The Lord saves those. The Lord protected his bones, on the, Jesus' bones on the cross. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. Those outside of Jesus will be condemned, but the Lord will redeem his servants. We need to praise God. We need to know God's goodness to us. Yes, the food on our table today, but we need to know God's goodness to us in Jesus. Let us be people who feast on him, not just take a little sample, not just a little cocktail sausage and come back maybe next Sunday, maybe not next Sunday. Let us be people who daily feast on Jesus. Let me pray before we sing to God's praise.